listening to Audio Fanfic Podcast. Sleep Paralysis by Need Not On AO3 He's not sure what wakes him, initially. He thinks maybe it's a drop in temperature, or maybe some sound outside their motel room. It would be so easy for him to go back to sleep, to roll over, but he's kept an eye on her more often than not since her diagnosis. He hopes he didn't wake her. He really does. He thinks he should roll over to check on her. Maybe. It's what she'd do, right? A quick look. That's all he'll take. But when he does, but when he does roll, his mouth goes dry. Because there, he sees what woke him. It's crouched on Scully's chest, this dark figure with long fingers, longer than they should have any right to be, reaching out toward her temple. She whimpers, and the thing stretches, pinning her down, so heavy and large, practically crushing her. He doesn't think. All he knows is he has to get this thing away from Scully. He's reminded briefly of Leonard Betts, of that horrible phrase, you have something I need, of Scully looking small and weak in her hospital gown. So he throws himself at it, but where he expects to meet resistance, something solid, he only meets Scully's mattress, and Scully. She awakes with a shriek, jerking forward so hard she makes contact with Mulder's elbow. Mulder, what the hell? she asks before her hands fly to her nose. He apologizes profusely, about to explain, but she waves him off, scrambling for a tissue on her nightstand. Shut up, just shut up for a second, she breathes, holding the tissue to her face where blood is now streaming out of her nose. The sight of it just fills his chest with more panic, because that's how it's been lately. Scully, there was... I said shut up, she says. He falls silent, the only sound in the room the whirring of the cheap motel air conditioner and Scully's labored breathing. He passes her another tissue and switches on the lamp next to her bedside. Thanks, she says, only it comes out more like thanks. And the panic is now only overtaken by his urge to laugh. It takes another few minutes before the bleeding stops and she sighs, looking at him. Would you mind telling me what the hell you're doing leaping on me in the middle of the night? She asks. There was a demon, he says. She bursts out laughing before realizing he's serious. A demon? You're not familiar with sleep paralysis demons? He asks. Come on, Dr. Scully, those are a commonly documented medical phenomenon. Sleep paralysis is and hallucinations during sleep paralysis are also common. Not demons, she says. But what, you thought you saw one and decided to valiantly rescue me from it? His ears burn. That's exactly what he thought, and she sighs. Mulder, she says softly, crossing the room and coming to sit next to him on his tiny twin bed. I appreciate the effort, but I think at this point you might have hurt me more than the demon did. She indicates her nose. 
It was reaching for you, he says. Yes, but your elbow is what clocked me in the face. She lays a hand over his. I'm fine. No demons. Trust me, I'm Catholic. She gives him a wink before heading back over to her bed. You didn't see it, Scully, he insists. It was reaching for your your head and that he can't bring himself to say the word tumor. Like Leonard Betts, he finishes. It was the wrong thing to bring up. She abruptly turns from him and switches off the lamp. Good night, Mulder, she says firmly, and before he can protest, turns over on her side. Within minutes, he knows she's asleep, breathing in that deep, even way she does. Still, he knows what he saw reaching for her, sitting on her chest, and he'll be damned if he lets anything happen to her. Their flight back to D.C. is an uneventful one. Scully was already dressed by the time Mulder woke up, so he couldn't see if there was any trace of the demon attack on her or not. Her nose wasn't swollen or bruised, which he thinks is because of him. If he hadn't knocked that thing off her, it would have been far worse than just a nosebleed. They arrive back in D.C. by dinner time, and he briefly entertains the thought of asking if she wants to go get a bite to eat, maybe type up their case reports together, before she gives him a quick smile and he knows the chance is already gone. I'm tired, Mulder. Didn't exactly sleep well, she says pointedly. I just want to go home. Home is fine, he says. She arches an eyebrow. My own home, she says. I want takeout, and I want a bottle of wine, and I want to type up this report and go to bed. I like takeout, he argues, and she rolls her eyes. Mulder. Come on, Scully, let me buy you takeout. It's the least I can do after interrupting your sleep. He gives her a grin, one he hopes is charming, and it must work because he can see a genuine smile slipping through her annoyance at him. Only because you insisted on buying, she says. See you at mine. See you, he says, and heads out to his car, hope flooding his chest. They haven't done takeout and case reports since her diagnosis since the first night they slept together. He's tried not to think about it since. They haven't really talked about it since. But it awoke this even worse need in him to protect her. One she would hate if she knew about. If there's one thing Dana Scully thinks she doesn't need, it's protection. Especially not from him. So takeout is good. Takeout is great. And a bottle of wine means he might be able to wrangle an invitation to stay the night. And if he stays the night, well, maybe they can finally talk about what happened a few months ago. Maybe he'll even get a repeat of it, if he's lucky. At the very least, he can certainly make sure that whatever that thing was doesn't come back. Half an hour later, they're sitting on her couch, two steaming takeout trays of Chinese food in front of them. Scully has eaten about half of her beef and broccoli already, something he's pleased to see. Her appetite had been more or less normal on this trip, and while he's trying not to make a habit of seeing how much she eats in case she notices, he's secretly pleased that she seems to be improving. I can feel you watching me, you know, she says. I'm not watching, he responds, and she laughs, and he wishes he could bottle up that sound. 
They're halfway through the bottle of wine already, and she's had significantly more than he has. He pours himself another large glass, if only to hurry and get on her level. So, he says, should we type up those case notes? Ugh, she groans, and it's cute, the way she does it. Don't wanna. You're the one who suggested it, he says. That was before you brought me wine and takeout. Also, your suggestions. No, the takeout was my suggestion. You buying it was yours. She punches him on the shoulder. He barely feels it. But her sleeve rises up as she does it, and he notices a bruise on her wrist, one he failed to see earlier. Jesus, Scully, what is that? That, she says, is from where you attacked me last night, Mulder. I wasn't attacking you, he says. I was attacking the demon. Mulder, she says, there was no demon. You leapt on me in the middle of the night. Because there was a demon pinning you to the bed and sitting on your chest. You thought you saw a demon, and you leapt on me, and that is how I ended up with bruises and a bloody nose at four in the morning, she finishes, her voice much louder than his. They're silent for a few seconds, and then she busts out laughing. Mulder frowns. What? Come on, you have to admit it's funny, she says, pouring herself another little bit of wine. Sleep paralysis demons? I mean, really. I saw something, he insists, and she softens just slightly. You think you saw something, she said. She nudges him with her shoulder. You always do. It's not a compliment. Not really. But he takes it like one. So, he says, about finishing those reports. Fine, she whines. But only if you get me more wine. Two hours and one and a half more bottles of wine later, they're both well and truly drunk. The reports have been forgotten. Well, his has. Hers is still somehow significantly more coherent and finished than his. But then, it always is. I'm done with this, she finally announces, sitting back down with a flourish. She glances over at him. And I'm going to bed. Excellent, he says. She sits there looking at him for a minute before she sighs. I'm going to bed, she repeats. That means time for you to go, Mulder. No, he says emphatically. He crawls over to where she's sitting and she giggles. No, I'm not leaving you alone for that thing to come back and get you. Mulder. Besides, he says, I'm far too drunk to drive. You had less than I did. Which is still too much, he says. He grins at her, suddenly intensely aware of how close she is. How if he leaned over just a little bit further, he could kiss her? She must notice it, too, because she blushes, pulling back. You can sleep on the couch, she says. I'm going to get ready. They both stand, and she suddenly lurches into him, half falling into his arms. She catches herself on him, and suddenly they're closer than ever. You should... you should go get ready for bed, he says. And she nods, but she doesn't stop looking at him.
I should, she says, and on impulse he leans down and kisses her, just on the forehead. He thought about kissing her. He did, but he's drunk and so is she, and if she rejected him right now he wouldn't be able to handle it. She pulls back from him, smiling. Let me go get ready, she says, and walks off to her bedroom. He sinks down on the couch, half-heartedly picks at the remains of his rice. Mulder? He leaps up. He knows that tone, that worry in her voice, knows it intimately. What? he asks, but he's already halfway to the bathroom. The demon is back, he thinks, in his drunk state. He knew it would come back. He reaches the bathroom door and blinks. Scully is half in a state of undress, a tissue with a rapidly growing red blotch on it pressed to her face. Bruises mark her arms and anger flares in the pit of his stomach. Anger and concern. Scully. She shakes her head. I'm fine, Mulder. It's worse than it looks. I'm sleeping with you tonight. She gawks at him in disbelief. Why? Because look what that thing did to you, he says, and she scoffs. Mulder, the only thing that did this to me was you. You, leaping on me in the middle of the night because you saw a demon. I did see a demon, he insists. Please, Scully, just, please just let me stay tonight. For a second, he thinks she won't agree. He feels sober now, sober enough that if she tells him to leave, he actually might consider it. All right, she agrees. Fine. And I'm sleeping in your bed, he says again. And she rolls her eyes, but not before her gaze flicks to the mirror, to the bruises on her wrist. Those didn't come from me, he says, watching her. I promise. I know, she says and her voice sounds small, scared. You slammed into me, but your hands hit the mattress, Mulder. I remember. And you whacked my face with your elbow. Accident, he says. Won't do it again. Better not, she says. And again, the urge to kiss her is so strong, he has to grip the edge of the sink to keep from leaning over and doing it. I... Let me finish getting ready. Okay, yeah he says. I'll let you. He heads back to the living room, grateful they came straight from the airport so he still has a suitcase. He rummages around in it for an old shirt, tosses his current one on the floor, and pulls the t-shirt over his head. She agreed to let him stay. He'll be able to protect her. He makes his way back to her bedroom, pulls the covers back on her meticulously made bed, the left side. His unofficially, like so many of her things, they've never discussed. He knows if he'd asked, there'd be one of his shirts in her dresser from when he stayed over before. He knows, too, that there's a spare toothbrush in the cup on the bathroom sink for him, too. She climbs into bed beside him a moment later and cuts off the light, plunging them both into darkness. His heart pounds. This is how it started last time. He'd insisted on staying over after bringing her home from the hospital, and she had been too tired to argue. He'd crawled beside her in bed, and on impulse, she'd kissed him. 
The rest lives in his fantasies, replayed over and over. The way his hands felt on her skin, soft and smooth. The way she'd said his name. The way she'd tasted. The way she'd fallen asleep in his arms, after. Safe. He wonders if she's remembering it, too. Mulder, she whispers, and he knows she is. When he kisses her this time, it's on the lips. She presses against him like she's desperate, and he kisses her back like that night in her room. She tastes like toothpaste and faintly the aftertaste of the red wine. Please, she gasps, and it's all the invitation he needs. He wastes no time, breaking their kiss only to briefly pull her shirt over her head. She pulls his boxers down with equal fervor, her mouth moving to his neck, then back. He groans. When he enters her, she moans, and he matches her. It's better than he remembers, better than he's been fantasizing about for the past month. She is real and solid and warm under him, and she kisses him like she could drown in him for hours. He could do the same in her, he knows. He comes only seconds after she does, burying his face in her neck as she claws down his back, whispering his name over and over with the same devotion to which she says her Hail Marys. I love you, he whispers into her hair, and when she says it back, his heart nearly bursts. I love you, she murmurs back, already curling up on his chest. He's covered in sweat, and so is she, but his limbs are so heavy and he doesn't want to move, doesn't think he can. After a few minutes, her breathing is deep and even, and he knows she's asleep, just like last time. Just like last time, he knows too that no matter what the future holds, right now, she's in his arms, and she's safe, and that's what matters. There will be no demons visiting them tonight. If you like this story, please follow the link to the writer's page and leave some love. Kudos, comments, or subscribe. They'll love hearing from you. Then you can head over to our Patreon page and contribute to Audio Fanfic Podcast. As a member, you are granted early access to one new story per month. That's www.patreon.com slash audiofanficpod. Thank you for listening, and remember, the stories are out there.